0: Hi there, I'm James Brown and welcome to episode 11 of the ADHD Adult UK podcast. Sadly, according to most of our listeners, I'm joined by a man described as a partially grown-up version of Bod, the circular-headed cartoon character from the 80s, and my fellow co-founder of ADHD Adult UK, Alex Connor. Alex,
1: hi. Guten Tag, willkommen. Wie geht's dir? (laughs) Ich bin normalerweise auf Deutsch in diesem Podcast.
0: I'm just going to leave you two to carry on in German, and I didn't realise it was ADHD.
1: This is is your podcast. I thought I would
0: get
2: a bit of warning about that.
0: No, you you did well. You did well. Um, I'm somewhat flummoxed. But anyway, Alex, how are you?
2: I'm well, thank you, James. Somewhat improbably, we're now in the top 7% of podcast downloads globally, despite your involvement, and we're still getting... (laughs) amazing comments from all over the world. Can I read one out?
0: Uh, can, I, no, can I stop you there? Because our 10 listeners are all now aware that you're going to say Robert from Kidderminster. So if you could just move on to the actual email and save them the, the bother.
2: Okay. Well, straight to the real one. Then this, we've had an email from um, Sylvia from the West Midlands region.
0: <laughs>
2: and Sylvia's asked me to point out uh it says dear alex great show um can you point out james he hasn't actually got imposter syndrome he is bad at everything it's a bit harsh
0: it is it is especially as sylvia from the 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 west midlands area is
2: probably my mum isn't it alex it is you will be do you want a different a proper one we've had a real one from someone that that i won't say the name because They've got a son who um, has ADHD, a teenage son, and they wrote, having listened to a few of your podcasts, I now have a massively improved understanding and consequent empathy for his situation. So I just want to say a big thank you. Keep up the good work. I'll continue to tune in and learn. Despite not wanting to, James, we've helped a couple of people.
0: I know that's not wanting to. I know that it's, it's against your fi- very fibre to help people, Alex, but <laughs> fingers crossed that at least some of our 10 listeners are getting something from these podcasts. So thank you for that. As always, our podcasts are a tragedy in three parts. We choose a theme. In the last episode, we covered impulse spending. and In this episode, we're talking about those people in our community of ADHD adults who don't have a diagnosis and maybe don't ever plan on getting them. A friend of Alex's, let's call him Tom, because that's his name, described this as, I probably don't have ADHD, but I have symptoms. As usual, three parts of the podcast include some evidence-based psychoeducation, personal reflections on what this theme means to us and then also some top tips and just to annoy alex of course we'll fit in the game of what is james lost forgotten or mislaid this week alex uh, do you want to introduce the subject just stop sighing for a second alex do you want to introduce the subject and i guess the so-called tom
2: yes please right hello all we realized um this idea of having some of the symptoms of adhd or even having adhd and not maybe being ready for diagnostic processes a really big part of our community maybe you don't care or you need a diagnosis so maybe it's just too early for you on your learning journey or whatever that is or maybe we voted for people that de-invest in mental health provision good god they're a bunch of charlatans and therefore it's really tricky to get um, a diagnosis in fact some stats for you because you love them James because you like that we've recently been told by an occupational therapist and we checked this out with some psychiatrists that there are only 120,000 adults diagnosed with ADHD in the UK. So if that's anywhere near true, the undiagnosed outnumber the diagnosed by more than 15 to one, which is fine for a Channel 4 game show, but not for managing a mental health condition. So that's well over um, a million adults who haven't got a diagnosis. So what we did, we asked Tom who, who pointed this out to us. If he joined us on another one of our very special guest podcasts and Tom's with us now. Hello, Tom. Hello.
1: Thanks for having me on. It's nice to be here.
2: No, thanks for coming on. How, how are you doing?
1: I'm not doing too badly. I'm not doing too badly at all. It's uh, it's interesting to see the kind of level of professionalism that you promised <laughs> has, been, has been delivered
2: already, which I, I really like. <laughs> yeah, we definitely
1: said that. You set my expectations. Uh,
2: exactly. Yeah, exactly appropriately low <laughs> from a psychoeducation perspective there's loads of data out there on medication hesitancy even with a diagnosis but it's starting to get data now supporting this idea of, of diagnosis hesitancy now this could be because we feel we might not need or benefit from a diagnosis and what that means some people feel very scared about any ramifications of having a perceived mental health disorder do i declare it or you know do i have to tell the, the driving license people and loads of people actually feel fraudulent even thinking that there might be a reason for the struggles that they're going through. I've been in all three categories at one time. I actually felt it was very convenient having grounds for being lazy and childish and somebody telling me, Oh, that's okay. So you've agreed to tell us some stuff about your your situation, which seems unwise, Tom. Is that is that right?
1: That is right. It'd be an awful podcast if i if you'd got this wrong <laughs> yeah. at this point. But yeah, we've no, done I'm worse. I suppose. I mean, obviously, these kind of things. Uh, the the journey is a is a whole life, of course. That sounds a lot more poignant than I intended it to, but it is. But I suppose really kind of beginning to consider ADHD as a thing has been a thing in the last sort of six to twelve months. Uh, as Alex, you'll you'll probably remember quite well the the first time that I ever considered considered this was in a pub in the Wolf in in the jewellery Quarter in Birmingham. Myself and Alex were having a drink, um, and you we were talking about ADHD. And you sort of just turned to me and said, "Tom, it's completely inappropriate for me to uh, for me to diagnose you out of a clinical setting." However, I took, a, took a sip of your point and began to do exactly that. And I think, I think word for word, I told you to fuck off. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's so. a that's a natural
0: of, that's a natural response from anybody that's that spends any time with analytics.
1: Alex.
2: Yeah, it's fair.
1: <laughs> Not necessarily because I thought that um I thought that it's a bad thing to have ADHD. I just had never associated it with myself and had no idea where you were getting that from. But I think over the last sort of six to twelve months I have noticed things you specifically have gotten really good at knowing I do things without knowing I do things. Um, one thing that always stands out is you just be having a conversation and you'll sort of go like how presumably you can't stand still while you brush your teeth. And I, I can't, <laughs> I've never stood still while I brush my teeth. I've never managed to button my shirt up in one go. I always get distracted <laughs> midway through. Like I think I've never buttoned my shirt up in one go. I always end up doing something else in the middle of it. Um, and you got very good at predicting these things that you couldn't possibly know unless you have cameras in my house. And as far as I'm aware, this is the only time you've had a camera in my house. That's, he's that's likely,
0: funny. he's likely to have cameras in parts of your house, Tom. Knowing Alex's track record,
1: only oh, only parts. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, the quiet parts.
0: <laughs> Fab. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Tom, kind of anything you want, really, anything that feels relevant, um, what you do for a living, um, how you feel kind of symptoms, if you like, um, affect what you do for a living.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I currently work for a charity um, called Interscience UK, um, and I work as a, a program officer for them. So we organize a summer summer set of activities for for young people. Um, but unsurprisingly, I have bounced through a lot of jobs and probably about three careers in, and I only turned 27 recently. So, um, I've had, I've had quite a, quite a, quite a varied, uh, amount of places. Um, I, well, let's see, I, I graduated from Birmingham. I moved to Sheffield for a little while. I was in Reading and working for the university there. And then I moved back to Birmingham, but continued to work for Reading and then I moved to Germany and I taught in a few different places in Germany. And then I was in Ireland, and then I was in a different part of Ireland, and then I was in Edinburgh, and then I'm back to Birmingham. And now, actually, I think next week, this will be the longest time I've ever had a job. So in terms of uh, career... how long is that? Uh, one year and a week. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, scream,
0: it screams neurotypical to me, Alex. I don't know yeah, about
1: And in fact, this was, was the first, <laughs> this was the first job, the one I have now, uh, where I've ever quit a job and had another one lined up um that's that's never happened to me before so i suppose that would probably be an impact again as as you mentioned earlier i I always say i I don't think i have hd adhd but i feel i have most of the symptoms and all the things that help people with the symptoms tend to work for me so there is that little bit of imposter syndrome there is that little bit of unwillingness to maybe admit it but yeah so um that is that's me and my career and and what i do um I don't even know how to answer these kind of questions like who are you I, do you want to do you want I, to see my hinge profile like
0: i think i think you did I a really a good you, you did a really good job then 27 as well so so young you could be alex's grandchild
1: <laughs> i don't know why you'd say true. something so hurtful to me <laughs> <laughs> no of course
0: no oh, like, so,
2: related to alex they, they don't they fuck. no they're not going there so, so <laughs> what about day-to-day tom what's your day-to-day life like um, so at the moment, I
1: work from home. Um, and I also I kind of live on my own. So that's the first time that I have ever done that. Um, I've been doing that again for, for approximately a year now. That has been a challenge in a number of ways, but it has allowed for maybe a level of self reflection that I have never had uh, had before in my life, um, which has again helped in this kind of this kind of general this general journey. Um, but yeah, I say, I mean, I, I work, I work fairly regular hours. I keep myself busy with, um, I love climbing. I do that a lot in the evenings. Um, that's probably ping between those two things. And of course, language learning. I find, I find other languages really, really fascinating. Um, this is how obviously for anyone that doesn't know is how Alex and I met. We were on the same German course. Um, so yeah. And I, I think one of the things that I find particularly fascinating about. Existing in other languages is that a lot of the things that I now recognize or believe as symptoms i actually tend to lose in german um like i tend to be a lot more focused in german i lose track of thoughts a lot less and i wonder whether part of that is because english you can make up a sentence as you go along and never know how it's going to finish but you just can't do that in german because the verb goes at the end and i've always wondered whether that's been a a thing that's made i was so attracted to that language specifically
2: there is some psychological research showing when you speak in a different language, you have a different measurable personality change. I haven't looked at the, the if that's still the case, but it was this case a few years ago. I've, I've always been interested in that.
1: So does that yeah, mean I'm definitely so, I'm a, as much of a mess in Spanish?
2: <laughs> I was about to say, does
0: that mean, Alex, you're just as psychopathic in German?
2: Like, equally, yeah. We prefer the term borderline sociopathic. <laughs>
1: Alex's sense of humor gets worse in German. If you are interested, oh, I can't.
2: I, 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 I barely, I barely
0: tolerate his sense of humor as it is. So I can't imagine what it's like having to sit through a German class or have a, a conversation with Alex in German. Um, intolerable. So, in, intolerable. So Tom, what interests me is after you've described your career and the fact that clearly you do have some of the symptoms of ADHD is is why you think you maybe don't fit into the kind of full fat ADHD model
1: I like the full t- I'm a, a bl- blue top ADHD uh, blue um, day, yeah. <laughs> um it's a really good question um I think part of that is so again I I'm, I've sort of got two weird sides of me going on here whereas there's the side of me that is kind of like yeah i'm reluctant to say that i have it i don't necessarily like to say that i have it i'm not sure whether i feel confident to say that i have it but equally i'm standing here on adhd podcast um talking talking about adhd and how that's affecting me so there's kind of two um different things going on there and i've completely forgotten the question which is (laughs) (laughs) why
0: Uh, you, you you did kind of hard, you you did answer it more fully than Alex answers most questions he get asked, but it was really about why you don't feel that you kind of maybe fit fit the mold of somebody with who with an ADHD label, if
1: you like. Yeah. Um. So I suppose yeah, where I was going with that is that there is I think a process that maybe I'm, I will grow to accept that more and more and more as it becomes as I begin to recognize more of the things, particularly not just that happen to me now, but have happened to me in the past, and I go, oh yeah, do you know what that would be.
2: So that um, Tom fits. So Tom, early on, you said there's a sort of unwillingness to accept or diagnose. Is that part of the same thing? Where does that unwillingness come from? Do you think?
1: Um, one of the things that stands out for me, you know, I've got some friends that have ADHD. Um, I've got some friends that actually similar sort of situation to me, and that they actually get diagnosed. There were those group of people that were actually were very well behaved at school, so it was never picked up on, yeah. um, and they're only just getting into it now. And like, I don't know if they're going to listen to this, but they're, I love them to pieces, but they're absolute messes. It really, <laughs> really affects their, more, more politically correct perhaps, it really affects their day-to-day life on mm-hmm. an incredibly deep level. Whereas I think if if I have got it, it's a, it's a lot more manageable for me. And there's part of me that just doesn't want to put myself in that camp because that feels so, dis- it's not that I don't want to be in that camp, it's that that feels so disingenuous. Because, like, generally, I'm fine. There is, I have some effects. It's interesting as well because they really don't feel like that at all. Like, they think it's hilarious. In fact, it's great to hang out with them because you just doesn't matter who's talking over who. <laughs> we just don't care. Yeah. Uh, I follow generally the think wherever it
2: goes. Generally, I'm fine is something we hear quite a lot. Until you're not, I guess. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. No,
0: yeah, so,
1: That's the case. <clears throat> so we'll,
2: what we'll, do you we'll, think we'll, the next yeah. step... In- Go on James.
0: Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. You carry on, mate.
2: So what's the next step on, on this journey Then, if it is a process you're going through, have you, do you know what the next, what's next for you or how, how it feels to,
1: I haven't really planned ahead. Um, if I'm <laughs> honest with you, Lily, <laughs> can see that I can see your, triumph, your triumphant <laughs> grin at this. Yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't planned ahead. Um, I wanted to have a think about it before this, uh, this podcast actually, but then sort of time got away from me. Um, and yeah. So what is next? I think for me, actually dealing with some of the symptoms, I'm quite comfortable calling them symptoms now um, and addressing them as, as that. Um, dealing with some of them is something that I'm, I'm starting to work on and sort of build through with that and beginning to forgive myself or understand myself a little bit better. I've got a lot better at going of, of not putting myself, trying to put a round peg in a square hole, so to speak like i've started going i just actually you know what i just wasn't listening to i wasn't listening to anything you've said in the last 30 seconds because i was thinking about ducks because you ducked for a fly and then i thought it's weird that duck is a verb and a noun and those two things aren't related (laughs) and then i was thinking about ducks
2: um Um, sorry sorry tom james so, sorry, Tom. James, um, verbs and nouns are type of grammatical terms that the I know. I, use. I,
0: I, you uh, see, you may joke, Alex. You may because no one can ever tell. You have to put your hand up when you tell <laughs> a joke so people can actually tell. <laughs> but my understanding of grammar is is so bad um, that Alex, who everybody remember is my ADHD coach, regularly or should I say frequently, Alex, because I don't know, will yeah, um, we don't do not do will, uh, will pick me up on it and chastise me for it gently at times but yeah my knowledge of grammar is just fucking atrocious (laughs) vernacular is quite good though i can do that you
2: you definitely can that's why that's the main thing it it, will not when you're the senior editor of a magazine tom like james is (laughs) so (laughs) so um i like the discrepancy between generally i'm fine and i'm learning to deal with the symptoms and i think this is what those friends of yours would say as well about everybody, all of us being, uh, what, what was it, the psychiatrists term we use A, a big hot mess. Mm-hmm. So bearing that in mind, it, the, one advantage of, of thinking of it as a di- diagnosis is that you don't have to deal with it on your own, which leads to the question, Tom, what do you think would make your life easier in terms of your ADHD symptoms?
1: I mean, I suppose a better understanding from myself of them, and that's, that's going... That's going more and more. I kind of, I kind of the the social acceptability of some of the some of the traits would be a lot nicer. I I, I grew to realize um, one of the things that I've grown to realize is, is masking and what that is. And masking is a concept that I'm really familiar with because I work with um, English as a additional language students who mask their English ability all the time. And some of them are so incredible at it, but there's actually no no core to it and i realized that actually uh, i've been doing a, a lot of that in my life and actually yes people zone out in conversations all the time but nowhere near as much as me and for nowhere near as long and they're not as good at pretending they have and picking back conversations and sort of diving in and making a trying to make an intelligent comment on something that i've only half listened to so kind of the social acceptability of the good example of putting your hand up and going I just wasn't listening to that. I'm really sorry. I'm so interested, and it's not just professionally. Like I've dates for me, like when dates that I'm really enjoying and going well. I'm just being like, oh, why am I not listening to this? Like I really want to, but I I've just zoned out. Like there's nothing else. So I think to answer you, answer your original question, yeah, um, learn to manage the symptoms, and understand them a little bit. But the the social acceptability would be nice if that changed a little bit.
2: It's an amazing point. And to say I'm so sorry for it is really interesting, isn't it? Should we have to do that? Would, you know, do people with other disabilities have to apologize for the literal behaviors that they they have to do? Probably not, James.
0: No, that they, they don't, but this is the issue, isn't it? There's, there is documented stigma in society around ADHD. And if you add to that, the almost, Absolute lack of acknowledgement or understanding that it exists in adults, to the point where even some psychiatrists say it's not real, and where lots of popular commentators say on social media it's not real because there isn't a biological marker which distinguishes it. For example, um, it's difficult to Trying kind to of imagine a future where it's so accepted that you would be able to just say at the start of a date or a conversation, oh, I've got ADHD. So, you know, if I do zone out a bit, it's not that I'm not interested. It's just, it's just my brain or that when, you know, you start a new job and, you told your employer you've got ADHD. they automatically put support in place to make sure that you have everything that you need we're, we're a long way from that but this is the reason you know we do what we do i suppose is to try and help educate everybody not just people with ADHD, but their families their employers their healthcare professionals that that it's a real thing that needs support and that so many people out there require help yeah,
1: admitting that admitting to professionals and admitting within work that um that it's something that i deal with or i struggle with um that's very new to me and that's something i still feel a little bit uncomfortable with out of interest the first person that i ever did that professionally with was yourself james um we actually discussed it <laughs> in an email chain the other that way. we yeah, had of course. whereas mm-hmm. like i knew i was emailing somebody at the uh, someone at aston someone at, in in your department and I was aware that also Alex had this friend that did all of this. And we started talking about ADHD and it just never clicked that you were the same person. <laughs> yeah, so that was been, ironically the first time that I did that.
0: So did you do that after you, after I, had I disclosed it? Obviously I've forgotten working memory. Um, had, I disclo- <laughs> had I disclosed to you that I'd got ADHD and then you said something back. And, and then if so, was that because it felt like a safe environment? That was exactly,
1: that you, exactly yep, what it was. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well well this this is this is the key really is I think so many environments don't feel safe if you are either undiagnosed or diagnosed even to make that disclosure. I have now I've been through the process of getting diagnosed and I've been through you know assessments at work to support me. I've managed to gain, and this is a huge change for me the ability to happily say to somebody, sorry I wasn't listening, ADHD um you know in important meetings in fact when somebody suddenly says James what are your thoughts and i've been miles away i'll just say yeah you're going to have to send that to me because i wasn't paying attention and it's actually an incredibly empowering thing to get to a point where you feel safe enough to do that but i acknowledge that that's that's not a lot of adults with adhd it takes uh, a lot of acceptance and not just from you but from your employer often the people in the environment you're in to, to get to that point but once you do get to that point and remember, we've talked about it being a reason, not an excuse. But it is really empowering to be able to say, "I'm just so sorry, I wasn't paying attention," and it's not your fault to not just you know, chastise yourself for that.
2: Right. Before we take a break, I uh, first of all, I have to say, your comparison, Tommy, is so good with masking of, of your your learners learning English. I realise I mask as a as a human, as a real grown up, but there's no core to it. Pretending. <laughs> just pretending yeah not one at all so so is there anything you before we go to bed anything you want to add or, or promote that we haven't discussed
1: um I think that's that's pretty much everything that I want to say onto those topics or everything that I didn't want to say I've forgotten I've been writing that's some stuff I, I watch you write things down actually more and more when we have conversations so this is what I've been doing here to keep track which has been really helpful
2: but uh, that's no, amazing. I think I was pretty You've pretty much hit every beat of what the research says is to reduce the stigma to advocate for adult adhd support and then self-education even in lieu of, of medication cbt can can be a genuine benefit to adhd people so uh, we're gonna take a break that was the first uh, section of uh episode 11 of the adhd adult uk podcast we're back in a second with part two some personal reflections, some more personal reflections really on whether you should get a diagnosis or not or where you are in that journey.
0: Welcome back to part two of episode 11 of the ADHD Adult UK podcast. In part two, we give some personal reflections on the theme. Alex, have you got anything to share that's interesting and not completely mind-numbingly boring as usual?
2: Don't think so, James. No, I'll just go with the typical mind-numbingly boy. I, I, I resonate with almost everything Tom said because I, I was there, and sometimes I'm still there of being diagnosis hesitant. I think I was always much more medication hesitant than diagnosis hesitant because you know it's just somebody telling me that that this might be true. It still doesn't make it true, and. and people often say well the diagnosis made me feel safer, made me feel less like an imposter but that imposter syndrome is still there even with a formal diagnosis medication it doesn't go away I think that's part of the part of the problem but my, my main concerns of, concerns about diagnosis were firstly the humiliation of not being believed by the medical team was a real like not passing that exam or something that's how it felt and actually just practically With executive dysfunction, the admin involved to going through the referral and turning up at the right time was was pretty tricky. You know, I couldn't be bothered to fill it in. And I I know loads of people feel like that. And then and then really it's the old imposter syndrome that I am, in fact, just a lazy waste of space and not a real boy. That's how I feel. Probably always will. When we did the podcast and Mickey O'Brien was on, she described a feeling similar to that that we've heard described by the LG btq community of sort of being something else to that portray and i felt that very keenly i was terrified i was you know just just a, a lazy freak essentially james are you going to allow me to say that
0: <laughs> i had something lined up and then i thought you know what well, all i've said so far has been bitter twisted digs at you so i'm gonna let it i'm gonna let it pass alex you're a yeah, you are a freak. We all know that, but you know, you are a <laughs> freak, aren't
2: you? Exactly. Yes. Part of the team. Yes. So, what about um, you, James? Yes.
0: Yeah, so, for me, there are definitely some similarities, but it, it's odd when I think back. So, anyone that's listened to so any of our 10 listeners that have listened earlier on in the podcast will remember that Alex told me seven years ago, I think it was, when he was diagnosed, um, that I probably had ADHD symptoms as well. And at the time, I barely even considered it. I, I didn't know it was a thing, which I was a bit ashamed of as a as a, as a scientist, had to do some reading, did the, all the self-tests, and it was apparent that I did have the symptoms. But the first thing I thought was, I'm all right, I'm, I'm coping. And Alex and I have talked about this, and under the current diagnostic criteria, there is a chance I might not have been diagnosed because I, you know, it may not have been having a moderate impact on two domains of my life. I'd just been promoted at work, happy relationship at home, everything seemed fine, but I definitely had the symptoms and I just then forgot about it. Alex and I didn't talk much about his ADHD for a while. And then the next thing that happened is a a colleague of mine called Eric Hill, who's a really talented and clever stem cell biologist um, started to struggle. um, And it was obvious to me that he had ADHD symptoms. So we sat down and had a chat and that made me think about my ADHD then. And, After um, Eric had gone on to get a diagnosis and it had really changed his working life, I did start to question whether it was something I needed to do, but I still didn't really push for it. And in the end, it took the pandemic and lockdown and a a full-on mental health crisis and lots of uh, trigger warning. Um, ideation about suicide etc for me to get in touch with Alex and he said at this point you've got to get a diagnosis you you know you almost certainly have ADHD and I think this will help so it was really an, it was that pinch point that that caused me to to realize I needed a diagnosis there was a little bit of, of medication hesitancy I remember when Alex first told me about ADHD that um, and this is massively <laughs> ironic that one of my first thoughts was I don't want to take tablets because that they might change me, which considering the fact that I loathe myself with the fire of a, of a thousand suns is an incredibly <laughs> ridiculous statement to make, but I did think it would, yeah. it would somehow change me into a different person, when I, maybe when I hated even more, um, but that when I was soon forgotten, when I kind of forgot that I might have ADHD, so really for me it took a mental health crisis um, to, to push me in that direction. Tom, have you got anything to add to what you've shared with this in, in part one in terms of personal reflections?
1: Yeah. I mean, I suppose my first thing really is actually a question, which is to Alex, which is, do you do you diagnose everybody you know? Like, is, that your, <laughs> is, that, is that your vibe? It just,
0: <laughs> it's just everybody he knows has ADHD. That's the problem. <laughs> no
1: no, well, I a, a lot of the things that I Alex has pointed out to me are symptoms. I just recognize as a thing that most of my friends have apparently we congregate that's what we yeah. do because it creates a nice accepting atmosphere where everyone's quite similar and has the same ways of thinking and the same processes and you don't notice that actually the other I'm not sure percentage of the world um, doesn't necessarily think always like this um, so I suppose that would that would actually make sense but yeah this seems to be a thing you do Alex
2: it, it's uh, twice pretty much I've been really I'm pretty sure. I'd, there isn't a third person I could find that would say that. I mean, remember I'm not a clinician, so I'm not professionally qualified to um diagnose anybody, but because I'm not a clinician, there's nothing I can be struck off from. Um yeah. except <laughs> I'm the I'm the, the chair of the AHD UK charity, so I try never to do that anymore unless it's part of a kind of comedy conversation. Yeah, yeah,
0: you 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 also don't know three people, so it would be difficult to find that third person, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would he be the
1: dog, himself,
2: wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But no, I, I really don't. In fact, I think it's inappropriate to do it. And then with you, um Tom, while I was drunk. <laughs> you his... did
1: acknowledge that it was com- your honor completely inappropriate outside of a clinical yeah. setting. So you know, that's yeah, at true. least you know. At least you know. But and yeah, I mean, it
2: wasn't me diagnosing it. It was rather me saying, "You know, you should go and speak to a doctor." That was more. Oh no, more yeah, thing.
1: no, no.
0: It, well, well, the exact words you said to me was, "I've just been diagnosed with ADHD, and you're more ADHD than I am." And we <laughs> laughed and laughed. And yeah, We true, now yeah. know this is. We now know this is obviously hugely inappropriate. But we were mere children, Alex, forty years we old, roughly simply, at the time. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 therefore it was. Uh, it was just as unacceptable then as it is now. Um, just before we go to break, Alex, I'm going to wait for the big so We've got time for one more episode of a game of what's James lost, mislaid, forgotten, or misplaced this week. Alex's score oh, is. Scorers. I was hoping I
2: could fill, so we didn't have time
0: for this. No, not going to happen. I can do it quickly, mate. Um, uh, said the actress, the vicar. Um, so Alex's score, I think it's three. You've got, isn't it, so far out of yeah. a minute. Yeah. Seven. Okay, so your your options this week are: Did I forget where my car was? did I forget to have a poo or did I forget to click send on an email that was really important only noticing three days later?
1: I've done two of the three of those and that's only because <laughs> I don't have a car. <laughs> what, today <laughs> or
2: in general? Not just, to, not, just today,
1: not just today. I've lost my uh, bike. I leave my bike on campus quite a lot. Just walk home.
2: I wouldn't... I, I wouldn't uh... Went home and then realized I'd cycled in and I've got home on the train. Okay, let me t- think about this because I'm my working memory movements. I always forget them. Click send on an email that's not important. I think you do that every week. Forgot your car. Oh, you forgot to have a poo. Forgot to have a poo is too dangerous. I think you'd be very ill indeed. I'm going to see if you got your car. Uh, Tom, you, c- you can guess as well. Uh, again, the, the
1: thing is, the thing is with the with the email is that I feel that that maybe is not noteworthy enough to end up on a podcast. Like that's surely that's surely quite. That's how point. important it is, doesn't it? Well, okay. If it was a very, was a very important email, then I'm going to go for the very important email. Okay, on, so if uh, those are your final answers. Then Tom
0: wins because he was right. No. I forgot <laughs> to click. I forgot to click send on an incredibly important email, and then three days later, luckily, Outlook I, I, like, has a thing now where it pops up saying. Do you want to reply? And I thought no, but I did. And then looked, and it was in drafts, and it hadn't gone out. And I just about avoided getting into trouble. But the other two things have happened at other times in my life. Um, so well done, Alex, for scoring nought. Um, we'll be. I fucking yeah. hate this game. I know, and that's why really? I love it so much. Why I love it so much. We'll be back in part three to talk about some top tips and for a product of the week recommendation. See you then.
2: Hello, welcome back to part three of episode 11 of our ADHD Adult UK podcast, where we've got Tom with us and we are discussing what's it like if you might not be thinking about getting a diagnosis? We haven't got a better word for this, have we? I've got ADHD symptoms, but have I got ADHD? Maybe we should call it that. So part three, as always, is our top tips that either we've got or learned over the years or that we've been given by other people for dealing with this uh, issue, or rather, it's a circumstance in this case this week, isn't it? So, f- so I'll kick off. For me, it's quite an easy one. That my top tip is talk to people. Talk to people about your ADHD symptoms. You're not a fraud. You're not an imposter. You're not just lazy. Talking to people could include us. Contact us in any of the socials on app ADHD Adult UK, and start to write your own script for for what happens now whether you seek diagnosis or not whether you take that first step towards referral or whether you don't you're still entitled to be a fully fledged full fat blue top member of our ADHD adult community you don't have to do anything and you certainly don't have to do anything at anyone else's pace the second tip is to have a look at the symptoms we've got the ASRS the the there are scores on our website there are um, documents on a website where you can answer questions it'll start to give you a hint of whether you're ticking those boxes for adhd and that gives you a little bit of evidence a little bit of power that it's not just you making it up and it can even help you spur you to start that referral process if you want to which would be a third top tip which would be start the referral process anyway if it's bothering you the waiting list can be huge in parts of the country not always but always months i would say you don't actually lose anything getting on that thing you can come off the waiting list you don't have to but you can access us at ADHDL. uk, without diagnosis without planning to get one or at any stage whatsoever for any adhd symptom or just have a chat or even share your tips or coping strategies or how you feel about masking anything about adhd symptoms and support we don't care what the motivation here is oh that was a bit high horsey james i'm surprised you didn't snore while i was talking give us a top tip will you james
0: I didn't snore because, as usual, Alex, I wasn't listening. So, <laughs> um, my top tip is: whether or not you decide to pursue a diagnosis or not is often circumstantial. So, try and think: am I coping with my symptoms, or are they ruling my life? You know, is is the the, the way in which my symptoms present something that I can notice, but I'm still productive at work, happy at home. I'm just dealing with the symptoms, or if it's the latter and actually the symptoms are ruling your life then start to have that almost internal conversation about is this something i can benefit from if particularly if because there is support available for for you at work if you feel that you are struggling at work because of your adhd symptoms then i would again as alex has suggested i really fucking hate agreeing with anything Alex said but get you know get get the do an ASRS test take that to your GP with some evidence that you've had the symptoms since a child if that's the case and evidence of the impact it's having on your life and get that referral done because during the time between referral and diagnosis you've got time to change your mind to learn about your adhd or maybe things will change but particularly if you are struggling at work and you feel that help at at work whether it's through an occupational health assessment or the department for work and pensions access to work program would benefit you then i think you should go with that and as alex said jesus i'm agreeing with him twice this is this has never happened I'm going to vomit into my own ears in a minute. Also very supportive
1: today. I like it. Yes. Yeah, you should Re- vomit into his though. that would be a lot more effective. If I, that would mean
0: being in the same room as him, Tom, which there's a whole other issue there of wanting to punch his, his perfectly circular face. The other thing Under is, obviously order. is obviously read, read, read all the information that's out there. Learn about those symptoms, learn what coping mechanisms might help you. Um, and again, that might inform your decision. What about you, Tom? Have you got any tips?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So I suppose I, I kind of echo a lot of the things that you've already said. But Something that I realized was there is literally no sub-costs in finding out more. Like if you go to find out more and what you find is a list of symptoms that don't match you and what you do and you don't recognize any of them, then you have lost no more time than you lose dicking around on social media for a, half an hour here and there. Like it's a It's a good thing to do. I'd also say as well, if you like if you're suspicious that it could be a thing or you want to know more, it really isn't ever too early to find out. I think much like yourself, James, like I did not come to that sort of stage in my life where I was looking at these things in a good way. Like again, my mental health went completely off the rails in the pandemic. And I, I really, I hit rock bottom in a number of ways. Um, and that was the thing that put me in a a kind of reflective mood (laughs) as it was, like that's a time Mm. to assess your life. Um, that's a really, really effective way of, of doing it, but it's not a healthy way. It's not a good way. Like it's it's never too early just to to think about it. And with there being, with there being no sunk costs, like why not just give it a Google? Like, why not just find out a little bit more?
2: And there's that thing that we've all kind of said that oh well right now I'm fine or generally I'm fine or that there are other people, my friends, who are a hot mess and maybe they're worse than me. I have this this mantra with people that that not wanting to access support for yourself because other people out there might be struggling more than you feels a little bit like saying that you're not allowed to be happy in case other people out there are happier than you which that way around is ridiculous but when we're struggling we always think well there must be people worse off than me it doesn't work like that Listen, thank you, Tom, for joining us for this. It was very illuminating, really helpful to have somebody at exactly that stage on our journey. We've just got time for product of the week, and I genuinely can't remember if I've already done this one in a previous podcast, because obviously I can't. But uh, I'm really, really, I'm overly excited about the timer switches on my lamps at the moment. I'm sure I've done this already before, but it's so amazing to take that one of those working memory pressures off my own shoulders that I don't have to turn my lamps off before I go to bed. James looks so bored with this product of the week. We've definitely done it before. But that's no, going to get we, some timer switches. Yeah.
0: No, we haven't done it before. It's just it's yeah, it's just um yeah, it's just you speaking it puts me into a a, a stupor Alex, you know this. I do
2: know. <laughs> right then. So, that was Episode 11 of our ADHD Adult UK podcast talking about pre-referral perspectives with uh, wonderful help from a friend of the show, Tom, and from James and me as well. If you need anything at all, please contact us and the normal social media sites at ADHD Adult UK. If you've got any feedback or any ideas for new shows, we're always willing to listen to them. But for now, thank you. Goodbye. See you soon. Thank you
1: for having me.